morning, everyone. I'm, uh, I'm trying to orchestrate bad luck for myself. I wanted to see if I could preach under a ladder in some kind of way. If you have an umbrella, please bring it forward. I'd like to uh, open that as well. Last week, I introduced you to a, um, a term that is very central to this early follower of Jesus named Paul, very central to the Bible, and very central to what it means to become a follower of Jesus. It's a Greek word that gets translated in a number of different ways, but it's pronounced in its original language, diakonia. Now, where we first saw together this word couched was in this really amazing passage from Ephesians, where Paul writes to this church and he says, God gave you a gift. He gave you the gift of of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And the reason that God gave you this gift is to prepare you, to equip you, to get you ready, God's people, for works of service. And this word diakonia is what you see here in this phrase, works of service. And what we talked about last week as we introduced this term is that Diakonia, while, while, while being able to be translated works of service, can, can be understood as any act of mercy or charity, shown especially to the people of God or the koinonia, but truth be told to anyone at all. What I'd like to do today is take diakonia one step further and talk about ways of how to move it from an ideal and put it into practice, okay? Now, I want to show you a list this morning. Here it is. I think we look, all of us, at a list like this. And my bet is most of us say that we want to be that kind of person, that we want to be people who are responsible, wise, patient, right? We want to be people who are generous. We want to be people who are honest. We want to be people who are grateful, I think it's hard-pressed to find anyone, believer or not, who doesn't want to be that kind of person or who doesn't idealize that kind of person in their life. But now I'd like to show you a corresponding list. And what I want to submit to you is that the former or the left is reflected in the latter or the right. That the former list of being responsible, wise, patient, generous, honest, and grateful is something more than an ideal, that it's something more than a feeling, but that it is actually a way of ordering your life. It is a daily way of practicing how you live. I'll give you some examples off the list. If you borrow money from someone, with the agreement to pay it back and then don't, or pay it back late, or borrow so much that you know at some level you probably don't have a reasonable means of being able to ever pay it back, you're not honest. There's just no getting around that one. Or... If you claim to be patient, but you never defer your own gratification, if you buy what you want, 
when you want, even if it's on credit. If you see something and go, I got to have it now, and you don't save instead, say no to myself today in preparation for tomorrow, you're not, you're not patient. See what I mean? If you don't give, you can think that you are the most generous person in the world, but you're not. And if you ever want to check out if someone's wise or not, you ever want to do like a little wisdom litmus test, just like see what people buy, right? And why they buy it, right? You ever like hit in the QVC in the old days or Amazon one click today, right? And it's like, seriously, why? All of these decorative plates along my ledge that I thought were so cool. If you're into that, that's great, but you, you follow my meaning, right? The former list is reflected in the latter. Now, this is not to say that what you see on the right side of the list is the sum total of what's on the left. But it's certainly not less than it. And you cannot claim to be the left if it isn't expressing itself on the right. Are you with me? Now, what I want to do today, specifically, in relation to this thing called diakonia, is talk about that one that's number four, generous and giving. And off the bat, I guess I should give a disclaimer. This, I, I always feel like there's this like, wicked conflict of interest when I talk about this. And, and, and it's true. I mean, you, you guys know, whenever churches talk about money, like, like 90% of the people get hives, right? And, and it always seems to be fueled, or at least there's a perception that talks like this are fueled by somehow getting you to give more to fuel the machine. I'm here to tell you today off the bat that what I am not doing today is trying to get you to give more to fuel the machine. What I'm trying to do today is help you realize in your own life how to be the kind of person that God has called you to be. Because the things on the right side of this list are absolutely spiritual through and through and are a reflection and, and core to being a spiritual being who claims to be a follower of Christ. But I know that for a lot of people, it also gets paralyzing. Someone gets up and, and, and talks about the virtue of giving. But none of us, even if you just won Powerball, and if you did, come talk to me afterwards, all right? None of us, even if you have won Powerball, have unlimited funds at our disposal. You can always spend more than you make, amen? And it becomes paralyzing, and it doesn't help. Then we, we, we read the stories of Jesus, and we come along like that one parable that just kicks you in the teeth every time, where he comes up to that rich young man who's, who's seeking eternal life, who's seeking um, God's way, and, and Jesus starts kind of testing him. He starts testing for weakness, going, okay, you read the commandments. You know, do not murder. Honor your father and mother. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. And, and the guy's like, I, I've done all these since I was a kid, and Jesus kind of takes a step back, and he goes, ah, okay, wait, wait, here it is. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor, and come follow me. 
And if you know the story, it is so apropos. He, it says, his face falls. And he walks away sad because he had great wealth. And I feel like what happens to so many of us when these kinds of talks present themselves is we start experiencing that same rich young ruler syndrome. We hear this, this, this radical call from Jesus. And we come to realize it in the bones. And our faces fall, don't they? And we kind of walk away sad because we don't really know what to do about it. And so many people that I've met will spend the better part of their life with this strange sense of low-grade anxiety, guilt, or spiritual resignation because they know that for them, that ideal of Jesus is unattainable. And they're afraid of what he might think of them. And maybe I'm speaking to you today. Maybe I'm speaking to you and you've experienced this yourself. That is what today is about. How to take next steps in our context this morning within diakonia of how to be generous. How to take next steps in realizing what God is calling you to and how to be a fully devoted follower of him. Now, the best analogy that I've ever seen for this is done with a ladder. If you've been with us at FOF for some time, I have done this once before, but I think it just really works. And what I'd like you to do is visualize this entire stage and this ladder as a sort of way of taking steps towards that which God calls you to. Now, here at ground level, off the ladder, in the realm of generosity, is something that I would like to call random generosity. Each and every one of us here, I promise, I would put money on it, are generous some of the time. Each of us here have given something to someone at some time. Each of us here have dropped money in a Salvation Army bucket or given something to a homeless man or given to a charity or given to a church at some place at some time. But how do we take a step further from random generosity? What I'd like to share with you today are five steps or maybe principles that you can kind of hook this on in how to become more of a generous person. And the first step is this, all right? Get regular. Get regular. How do you move from giving randomly to becoming regular? Because here's the thing. Diakonia doesn't just happen. If you wait to feel like being diakonia-like, <laughs> right? It's kind of like this. Getting in shape just doesn't happen, right? 
If you go and work out only when you feel like it, how much do you work out? Like, like twice a year, right? I mean, I love this. All of us, right? We always make that New Year resolution every year. I'm going to get in shape. It is now January 17th. How many times have you been in the gym? Because if you don't make it a regular part of your life, you never get in shape. Likewise, if you never learn how to give in some kind of regular way, you never take a step in becoming a generous person. It strikes me that often the most spiritual and most creative of things revolve around discipline more than inspiration. Talk to musicians. Musicians who are just masters at their craft, who can improvise, who can sight read, who can pick it up and play it beautifully and wonderfully and seemingly spontaneously, who seem to be in tune, you know the kind of musician that I mean? Not a musician like me, all right? What you find out from people like this is that they practice regularly. One of the most amazing musicians I've ever known just, just told me, yeah, it's 30 minutes a day. I have to force myself to practice 30 minutes a day. Do you know the, the name Raeld Amundsen? He's the first to discover or plant the flag in the South Pole. It was interesting. He was among several teams that were trying to make this journey for the first time. He did something different that led to his success from the other teams around him. The other teams, when the going was good, would push themselves to the nth degree. But when the weather came in and was bad, when they didn't feel good, when there was difficulty or hardship in the camp, they would lessen their pace. Do you know what Rayold Amundsen did? 25 miles a day. 25 miles a day. So when it's sunny and beautiful and shining, and I might be able to do 40, 25 miles a day. When I have the flu and the sleds broke and three dogs died and we can't find whoever, 25 miles today. Because a pace of regularity will take you further than waiting to the moments you feel like it. I've always aspired to write. I suck at it. My gosh. But I've always aspired. Think, I, I got to start getting thoughts down in, in a deeper kind of way. Writing is so much fun when inspiration strikes. Have you been there? when it hits you and you just flow. But you know those times, and those of you in school or those of you with flashbacks, right? Those times when you had the paper due the next night and you're looking at the screen and it's blank. I mean, it's given you nothing. The pain, talking to writers about some of their disciplines, saying creativity is a discipline. This one author I was hearing speak, three hours or three pages, whichever comes first, every single day. And the same is true with being a generous person. If you are here today and your giving is unmanaged, haphazard, your diaconia is random, take a first step and make it a regular part of your life. Beginning today, 
but God's not through with you yet. Because maybe there's some of you here who have taken this step already. And you're wondering, where does God bring it from here? The next step I've come to see for a lot of people is practicing diakonia in a proportional way. Giving proportionately to what God has given you. See, all of us, I think, delude ourselves with the idea that we are more generous than we actually happen to be. University of Nebraska, they did this study of, of teachers. You, you ever do these studies where, where, or these surveys where they give you like five choices, strongly disagree, disagree, neutral, agree, strong, you know those things that I'm talking about? They did this study of teachers asking in comparison to other teachers you know, do you think that you are below average, on par, or above average in your profession? Do you know how many thought that they were above average in comparison to other teachers they knew? 93%. All right, is there a mathematical problem there? They did the same thing with drivers. Who here thinks, I'm gonna do a show of hands, you're not going to raise your hand now. Who here thinks that they are a better driver than most other people, than the average? Yeah, you are so hedging your bets on this, all right? You are so hedging your bets. Do you know what the statistical, you know what the statistical information comes back on? 93%. L.com did a survey on attractiveness. Do you think you are more attractive than the average person? Let me see a show of hands. Do you think you are more attractive, right? Yeah, we got one ugly bunch here. You got one? All right, I, I love you. I love you. All right, all right, hotness in the back row. Beyond that, mm, mm, don't come to this church to meet women. All right. Do you know what L.com discovered? 80% of people think that they are more attractive than the average person. You know what it is for generosity? When people have been asked, do you think you are more generous than the average person? The best one I've seen comes in about 72%. And yet less than 3% of the population gives 5 or more percent of their income. The heart is a deceitful thing. And we all have the propensity of deluding ourselves into thinking we are something more than we actually happen to be. All of us are guilty, I think, of what I call the Lake Wobegon effect. You familiar with Garrison Keillor and his radio program about that fictional town um, called Lake Wobegon in Minnesota where what? All the women are, are strong, all the men are good-looking, and all the children are above average. It just ain't true. And until you come to a place in your diaconia where you are giving proportionately, you are probably not experiencing or living out that which God has called you to be. To give proportionately means to set aside a percentage or a fixed number of your income and practice it 
regularly. For some, it might go from, from, from giving a buck, like, like on a regular occasion, to saying, I make 50 grand a year. What's 1% of 50 grand? 5,552 weeks in a year. That's about 10 bucks a week. But it's a start towards what it means to give in a proportionate way to what God has given you. It is a step towards practicing diakonia and making it a reality. But the thing is, God still isn't finished with us. Maybe you're here today, and maybe I'm, I'm speaking to you, and maybe you give in some kind of proportionate way. But you sense that the call of God is there. You hear his word, and you're wondering, what is the next step to take? What I found is it's often this. First fruits. I can look at you now. You know what first fruits means? It's an agrarian term, a farming term. It was used more in, in the past than I think it is used today. But the way I like to describe it is this. You here do a garden? Anyone do a garden? You know when you plant the tomatoes, right, and you're waiting like all summer or the beginning of the summer for the first ones to come off the vine because they taste nothing like that mush you buy at the store? And you get the first one, and it's red, and it's ripe. And you pick it and you enjoy it. And you know it is just the first to come of many more, right? Unless you garden in my house and then that's all you're getting. But first fruits. To give the first of what God has given you. Because see, for many, diakonia, generosity, is reserved for after the fact. After I know I'm covered, after I, I know I've, I've paid my bills, after I, I, I've met the needs of me, then I'll give. But see, it reveals a myth. A myth that generosity is fundamentally about amount. I love what the psalm says, that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God does not need your giving. If he wanted, he could do it on his own, but he doesn't. Because what God wants is you responding to him in faith. And what first fruits giving is about is nothing short of that, responding to God in faith, saying, Lord, I know that I need the things in this world that you have given me to take care of me and my family. But I trust you so much. I believe it that when you say, seek first your kingdom, all else will be ended, that I give the first portion of what you've given to me back to you. It is nothing short of an extreme gesture of living trust and faith. Are you with me? And I've been there. I mean, I've been there at times when we have been well off. I've been there at times when we've been broke. I've been there at times when you look at your spreadsheet and the numbers shouldn't add up. I've been there at times where it's perpetually red 
and you're faced with that crisis, God, do I really believe that practicing diakonia honors you? And I will give the first portion to you as an offering to you before taking care of me. I found that while it's rarely easy, miraculously, and I don't use the word lightly, though it doesn't make sense on paper, God provides. I've seen it in my family's life. I've seen it in my own life. If you're there today, risk taking that step to let God reveal himself to you. But maybe you're there. Maybe you're there. Maybe in this pursuit of diakonia, you've become regular, proportionate, giving in a first fruits way out of faith. The amazing thing about God is he's never finished with us just yet. And if you're there, maybe there's another step to take. It's a step called tithing. Now, in the Old Testament, it equated to 10%. Giving regularly, proportionately, and in a first fruits manner, 10% of what God has given you. For the Old Testament people of God, it was a command. When I think about tithing, though, it reveals another myth that I think a lot of us have. The more you get, the easier it is. Ironically, I have found the reverse to be the case. Jesus once said this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. I always thought that was backwards. I always thought it should be more, whoever can be trusted with a lot will, of course, be able to be trusted with a little. Doesn't that seem to make more sense? But strangely, in God's economy, I found it to be the other way. That ironically, the more you have, the harder it often is. Because when you're making 500 bucks a week, it's easy to give, right? 50? When you're making 500,000 a year, and you look at 50,000 going out, that is a big number. And in my own experience, I have found that with the more that God gives me, the more my faith and faithfulness is tested. I love uh, this quote by Rockefeller. Yeah, the Rockefeller. Look what he said. I've personally found it to be the case. I mean, not the first million thing, but how the tithing principle works. Diakonia will test you. It'll challenge you. It'll get in your face. Welcome to the living God. But it's good and it's wonderful and it's the way that God calls us to be. And maybe today in this aspect of your life with him, tithing is the step he asks you to take.
Now, there's another rung on this ladder that I want to talk about today. Because there's a myth that God is done with us when we start to tithe. That, that when we tithe, we are achieving the full measure of righteousness and calling in him. Have I ever shared with you how much I hate heights? It doesn't help that I have vertigo today. But God calls us to another step. Over and above. Oh, cripes. <laughs> Maybe you're here today and you tithe. God is not done with you yet. Because when you look at the pattern of the New Testament church, they sold their possessions and their goods. They gave generously to anyone as he had need. They gave lavishly to further the kingdom of God. They were sold out. It was more than just a practice for them. It was a passion, a passion they gave themselves to fully. And maybe you're here tithing today. What new step, new height, new adventure is God calling you here today? And did you notice something? I'm not done with rungs yet. Because what I find is after taking that step, God will continue to call you higher and higher as you are able. And even when you think you are not, because the God of the universe is a God who knows we are far more capable of things than we would ever dream. A God, a God who never is finished with us. Are you with me? I'm coming down. <laughs> now, oh, hate that. And I know you hate that wrong too. <laughs> I want to talk to you about some observations about all of this. Observation one, in the life of diakonia, the life of generosity, it is a rare person who can jump over rungs on the ladder. Did you notice that I stepped up one at a time instead of trying to jump from here, right? You want to see it? Yeah. Yeah, sadists. <laughs> From here to here. Now, are there some of you here who are poised and in a place where you could do it? Where you can do it. Like those weird parkour people who can like run on walls and stuff like that, right? But for most of us, we can't shift from zero to 60 in one gear. It's taking incremental steps along the way. Which means, in your life of diakonia, don't obsess yourself with rungs that are five steps out of your reach. Simply ask, how can I take the next step today? Something else, as I think about this. It's scary. It's scary. For many, this might not be too bad. 
But for some and where they're at in life, do you realize that this step is scary? Wherever you are on the ladder, a next step is often scary. But the view is great. And it's exhilarating. Too often, generosity, diakonia, is is couched in terms of sacrifice, duty, obligation, obedience. And these are true. But do you know that God comes in the midst of these things called sacrifice, duty, obedience, and obligation, and births joy and wonder, and gives us glimpses of what he's doing in this world that we would never have if we didn't take that frightening step. One of the most dangerous places that you can find yourself is in the center of God's will. That's so counterintuitive, isn't it? Because God is not a safe God, and there is no telling what he will ask you to do. But I assure you this, He's good. He's got your best in mind. Which leads to this. The step. It's not fundamentally about you. It's really not how do I become a more generous person? How do I experience blessing? How do I become the kind of person that I want to be? It's so easy to bastardize Christianity into some kind of self-help program, something to make our lives better. But it's not about you. It's about honoring him. Every step is about honoring him, which means it doesn't matter fundamentally at some level what good has come out of your step. It doesn't matter fundamentally at some level how you felt about taking it. It doesn't matter fundamentally. What matters is that you've honored him. That you brought glory to him. It is about obedience. And a heart sold out. To trust and love the God who loves you. That should motivate this. And finally, one more thing. Climbing this ladder is not about climbing into God's good grace. It is not about coming up in some way to meet him. Because what the God of the Bible has done is he has not asked us to climb the ladder to get to him. He has climbed down it. Jesus will meet you on every step of this ladder, even the ground. He is there at every step of the ladder, even the ground. He is a God who comes down to you. But as he comes down, he is a God who says this, now come, follow me. Because our God is a God who's on the move who's going somewhere. 
and who wants you to join him in that journey. Guys, these are just some thoughts and ways to share with you today how to practically become a diakona kind of person. And I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today that God is not finished with you yet. Wherever you are on this ladder, God is not finished with you yet. And I encourage you today, tune your heart to him. Open your ears to him. And allow yourself to be challenged by him to the next level and adventure in this life and this thing called generosity and diakonia that he's calling you to. It's frightening. But it's a rush. So I'd like to invite you on your feet today. Jim, I'm going to let you get the ladder, if you would. And the band is going to come forward. And we're going to commune today. And before we do, we're going to engage in this, this, this ancient Christian practice called confession. Confessing our sins to God. Repenting to him. Coming clean with God and telling him, we're sorry for the ways that we tune him out or don't follow him. Maybe we did this today and in some way it was convicting. Or maybe you just kind of tuned it out and did your time, but now we're reflecting on it now and you go, why do I do that? You know, maybe the next step starts today with just admitting our failures and our reticence to pursue it, I know it does for me. And the diaconia life with him. So I'd like to invite you into a time of prayer. And let's just start by praying these words here today. Let them start to shape your heart as you say them. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Help us to mean it, O oh God. For me, it's so easy at times for it to just be words to say, but help us, God, to delight in your will and to walk in your ways. Our own benefit aside, God, for the glory of your name, may it be expressed in our generosity, in diakonia, 
Forgive us, God, for turning blind eye and calloused hearts to the needs of others in, in, in our community. Believers, God, who are struggling or oppressed. For the needs of others in this world. Forgive us, God, for being more driven by ourselves and our own needs and our own desires in ways that eclipse and overshadow your wills, your will, and your desires. And the generosity we're to bear. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us that we do delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name.